you're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, man. Phil Williams here in the Right Side Studios. Local, state, national, sometimes international. We cover down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is uh, it is Wednesday at, at 2.06 p.m. And Boomer's on the board. How you doing, brother? I'm awesome. Good. Oh, wait. And it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Hit it. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's, it's hump day. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, you made it. You're halfway through the week. Congratulations. Woo! You have you have reached hump day. It is uh, it is halfway to Friday. So uh, congratulations to all of you. Uh, let's make it a good one. Um, Boomer, brother, you are doing good? I'm doing good. All right. Yeah. I mean... We talked about shooting earlier. Oh, man. I just get excited when we talk about shooting. So, yeah, that made it a great day just talking about it. <laughs> it works for me. I mean, uh, yeah, I think we're going down to that uh, the CMP, the Civilian Marksmanship Park, sometime soon. we got to do it. Oh, yes. All right. What's our first one, though? Are we going to be shooting clays or shooting long guns? Ooh. Or are we still in sidearms? Are oh, we pistols? I, um, maybe we could just do all three for the day. Pistols at dawn. Pistols at dawn. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I'm there. Yeah, Civilian Marksmanship Park. You guys check that place out if you haven't already. We just uh, talked with them again a little while ago, and uh, woo, I'm just telling you, that place is a country club, man. I like it. Um, all right, we got a great show for you late on today at 4 o'clock. The Grand Council with uh, Jeff Poor and Dale Jackson uh, will be on with us. You, know, you guys don't want to miss that. That's a great time where three of us who do talk radio, all in different, you know, rounds and venues, sometimes even different with slightly different opinions. Uh, we ping each other with questions, and then we just kind of see where the chips fall. So anyway, Grand Council, 4 o'clock today. Don't miss it. And then I got a triple dipper full of stuff, so hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will. you got to know as we run today's show. Number one. We started to get into this yesterday, and I thought, I, I can't do this justice. I've got so much material here. So first out the gate, uh, without further ado, the failed state of Mexico. What is happening south of our border? Listen, I started off doing a thing just on our border, just the border itself. But I think we need to pay attention to what is literally happening below the border. Because, folks, there's a war going right now in Mexico. The cartels and the Mexican government are going at it. And then on top of that, you look at the level of corruption. You look at the level of uh, death and destruction. So we're going to talk about it because it's right in our backyard. It's not like this is far away. It's like some of it happens just on the opposite side of the wall in places where there is a wall. The failed state of Mexico, that's number one. Number two, I'm calling this whole section, there's a new sheriff in town. Well, Republicans uh, have uh, come out the gate charging in, uh, in D.C., you know, they had that first week of speaking, picking the speaker. I really believe that made things stronger for us as conservatives. I really do. Well, they're coming out the gate, and they've already gotten a few things done that are exciting to watch, and there's more on the tap. And then on top of that, we've got the fact that we've got stuff going on in our own statehouse. So in Montgomery, 
Uh, Republicans just came in, elected their, uh, their, their Speaker of the House, Nathaniel Ledbetter, who was in our studio here recently, and they're already on the march. So we're going to talk about what's happening. There's a new sheriff in town. Uh, all that to say, we'll cover down on it. And then number three, look, the war on natural gas. If you don't think it's real, I, I, it's not just this whole, are they really going to try and block us from having a gas stove in our house? For the love. Well, it's not going to happen. You can pry it from my cold, dead fingers. Charlene cooks a mean meal on that gas stove. It's not going away. But they're trying to. But it's not just there. If you look around, you can find the attempts to do this in a variety of different places. And I'm going to tell you where this war on natural gas is going on. All right, listen, it's going to be a full show. we got plenty of stuff. Y'all stay tuned. We'll cover down on all of it. Um, let me just jump over to my comments, though. The opening monologue today, um, you know, sometimes you got to know how to talk to a liberal. Sometimes you got to know how to identify them. Well, sometimes you also got to know who it is you're identifying. Like, what are they? What are their characteristics? And then, huh, okay, I see you for what you are now. Well, let me, before I even get into that, let me just say this. One of my favorite movies of all time is one of those that has so many one-liners. Catchphrases that can be used over and over again. I'm pretty sure I've quoted the script a few times on this show, but I'm about to do it again. Classic Americana with a classic group of actors. And I'm betting it's uh, on some of y'all's favorites list as well. The movie, The Outlaw Josie Wales. Oh, yeah, with Clint Eastwood. A solid movie about an anti-hero who just wants to be left alone, but he keeps gathering up strays who need his help and ultimately his friendship. So Eastwood plays a former Confederate cavalryman in the Civil War who refuses to surrender, and then he sees his fellow rebels being executed by a rogue Union officer. So the chase is on to the whole movie, and the cast keeps expanding as Eastwood gathers up some reluctant allies. But one of my favorite characters in the movie, aside from Eastwood, is the old Native American chief Lone Waddy who was played by a real-life chief, Dan George. Everything that came out of Lone Waddy's mouth in that movie just seemed like old man wisdom. It was always calm and deliberate and delivered in such a way that sounded like he was partly being funny and partly just challenging somebody to fight all at the same time. Well, there was one point in the movie that goes to my points today. Lone Waddy, played by Chief Dan George, was walking into a general store in a western town, and a snake oil salesman was standing there on the steps pitching his wares to the crowd. He stood and he watched as the carpetbagger promised to heal all and cure all with his special elixir of proprietary ingredients. And the salesman turned at one point and saw Lone Waddy standing there and tried to get him to sample it for the crowd. What's in it? Lone Waddy asked. Well, I, I don't know. I'm only the salesman. To which Lone Waddy just looked at him and said, you drink it. Well, the salesman didn't know what to do. So he just insulted Lone Waddy by saying to the crowd, what does he know? Just a savage. But really, what happened in that scene was that the purveyor of fake medicine, he was calmly called out. The character of Lone Waddy could see right through him and very easily just called him out. It wasn't even hard. He basically asked the charlatan for some sinful information, the ingredients, and then he simply put him on the spot by saying, in essence, you first. Well, let me tell you something. The world is full of snake oil salesmen these days, and we have to be able to see them for what they are. So, listen, when you're presented with something that you know flies in the face of your core beliefs or your principles or your values and traditions, then ask yourself, first of all, so what kind of person am I looking at here? And in the language of right side, I'm going to tell you you have three choices. When you're dealing with a liberal, you've either got hacks, quacks, or jack wagons. You heard me. Hacks, quacks, and jack wagons. So a hack 
A hack is literally a cheap, mediocre, or second-rate practitioner of some kind. They're not good at what they do. Hacks know a little bit about a lot, but they're not yet good at anything in particular. These are the guys who, when all is said and done, will have the excuse, I was just following orders, because they never took the time to truly fully assess the mounds of bureaucracy that they're heaping on people's lives. A hack does not like to be confronted and will often end the discussion with an insult or by telling you, oh, you can take it up with the boss or whoever it is they enter to. So there's the hacks. A quack, on the other hand, is a fraud. A quack is someone who claims to have great knowledge or skill that they possess little of, actually, but they will foist themselves and their unsubstantiated beliefs on anyone who will give them the time of day. But in the end, a quack knows that they don't have any depth of knowledge and they are willing to put others at risk to better their own positions. A quack will argue their position is right, but will rarely have the knowledge or know-how to hold their own in a real debate. And then there's a jack wagon. <laughs> a jack wagon is just a lazy good-for-nothing who won't try to pull his own wagon to the front of the line. It's easier to go along to get along, so they just don't try. Jack wagons just blend into the latest fad. Even less than regular followers, they are just strap hangers. They don't have enough ambition or depth of character to label something as untrue. Jack wagons can't handle questions or confrontations. They have to have the crowd to help them. So out of fear of being left off the wagon train altogether, jack wagons just ride in the back and eat the dust or whatever the wagons up front kick up. So how does this help you? Why am I saying this? Well, coming to the decision that someone who is throwing a woke idea or worldview at you is a hack, a quack, or a jack wagon, it gives you an edge in how to deal with them. Case in point. We learned this week that the Biden administration, in its never-ending war on fossil fuels, is going through an internal discussion about whether or not to ban the use of gas stoves in homes. Really? It's not a joke, though. We have a never-ending stream of liberal politicians and regulators announcing the end of gas in homes. So if someone were to tell you that you need to get rid of that gas oven that you've been frying chicken on, or gas stove you've been frying chicken on for the last 20 years, start off by asking them why. If they paired a party line response or talking point from the Green New Deal, then you ask them to go first. No hot water, no home heat, no stove, no gas grill. If they stare at you blankly like they hadn't thought about that, then you're dealing with a jack wagon, and you can politely suggest they get a mind of their own and disengage from the conversation. If, however, they respond by telling you that they are the ones who regulate, not you, and that their homes are not yet on the schedule, then you know you're dealing with a hack. Someone who is doing what they were told regardless of the consequences to others. If that's the case, then ask them, well, how do they intend to pay for it? Who's going to cook for your family's food in the meantime? If they stare at you blankly, then you know you're definitely dealing with a hack. But if they pass those two tests and they fire back some data from the World Economic Forum and the United Nations Council on Green Everything, then you're likely dealing with a quack who claims to know things. He will tell you how smart he is and how little you apparently understand, and then simply ask him how he responds to the counter-studies, though, that probably hasn't been read. And follow that by asking how it is that people have lived so long and so well using gas appliances. He won't know. And he will likely dismiss you at that point, maybe even insult you. Yep, a quack if there ever was one. Now, you can take this approach in virtually every fad, fashion, or foible the left tries to foist on our society. Gender fluidity, systemic racism, critical race theory, climate change caused by cow flatulence, building bigger government, open borders. Every liberal issue has them. Hacks, quacks, and jack wagons. And knowing who you're dealing with is sometimes half the battle. And that's a wrap for the right side way. There you have it. The lexicon of right side. Hacks, quacks, jack wagons. I'm just telling you, they're out there. 
They're everywhere. And just question them. You'll quickly learn which one you're dealing with. It's amazing to me, too, how many of them are just hacks. They have no idea. Or jack wagons doing what the crowd says. And the quacks, those are the more dangerous of all of them. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We got more. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Man, the text lines already blew up. Um, <laughs> so we got we got a bunch of folks uh, re- reacting to different things. Uh, some of which was reacting to the uh, the monologue a moment ago. Uh, hacks, quacks, and jack wagons. There's my terminology. It's you can put that in the Right Side Dictionary. Um, but uh, we got text here. By the way, uh, aloha to Rayson from Hawaii who is listening from Schofield Barracks. Appreciate you, Rayson. Just love knowing we have folks out there on the far, far, far side of our, our great nation. Uh, so, yeah, Rayson from Hawaii. Thanks for chiming in. Uh, Brian from Huntsville says a crack wagon is a Tesla running fentanyl across the border. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Tony from Piedmont, uh, there's jack wagons from all nations. Uh, and he, he, he also says he could sum up what our problem is with a quote from cool hand Luke. What we have here is a failure to communicate. I, I agree with that. Um, um, Missy from Foxville making me aware that there is a new blood clot medicine being used at Fox army hospital at Redstone Arsenal. That's interesting. Um, she points out it's off topic. Yes, it is, but that's, a, that's still interesting. Uh, Paul from Athens says a quack is what he likes to call educated beyond their intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) You can't handle the truth. Okay, there's that. Um, David from Huntsville says Biden is 100% a number one quack. There it is. Um, And then uh, Danny from Decatur says, you see where Biden's EPA wants to ban gas stoves? It's actually the Consumer uh, Protection uh, Administration. Uh, it wasn't the EPA yet, I don't think. Uh, so EPA probably chimed in with some of their green energy nonsense, but uh, but the uh, the actual it's it's the Consumer Something Protection Bureau CFPB. Um, anyway, they're the ones that are saying we might need to do this because we might need to protect people from these things that have never been a problem for the last hundred years. Um, so anyway, uh, all right, and then uh, what's the top here? John from Huntsville. Um, says Jack Wagon. I thought the restaurant was called Chuck Wagon. It is. I like Chuck Wagon. I like Chuck Wagon a lot. Um, all right. Hey, listen, we got all the usual mediums up right now. So uh, the website's kicking. So you can go to www.rightsideradio.org.org and uh, you can watch the show live stream. You can pick up the audio from there if you can't get it somewhere else. I had somebody text me the other day, said that some reason they keep getting kicked off of whatever app they're trying to listen to. I don't know which one it was, but... Um, but anyway, I pointed out, I said, well, you can always go to our website and you can probably live stream it from there if you have access. So um, anyway, like I always say, no matter where you are, 
If you're getting outside the overly broad range of our AM and FM capabilities at Right Side Radio, because we are like way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, even parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi. If you're outside of that AM, FM, then anywhere in the big wide world, go to the World Wide Web, click on rightsideradio.org, and listen live. And like I always say, no matter where you is, there we is. Um, so... Yeah. What so you got, I got bud? something what on the got? podcast. I mean, it, podcast. it blew up last night. Did awesome. Really? Thanks for everybody for listening. That is incredible. But a state came out of the woodworks. Say again? A state is almost caught up to California. Shut a up. random state. Can you guess which one out of the 49? I'm, I'm trying to see the map. I'm trying to see the map. Not Alabama. Ohio. All, nope, not Ohio. <laughs> Missouri. Missouri. Yes. Big Mo. Alabama, obviously, number one. That's why I didn't count them. Yeah. But the other 49, so we got... Well, we always count Alabama. Yeah, we always count Alabama. But, hey, I mean, Missouri is almost caught up to California, and they weren't even in the running yesterday. What happened to Florida? Uh, Florida is right behind Missouri. I mean, it was just like a... They just jumped out of nowhere. Well, you know why. What, what it's, it's because they, they knew I was going to talk about the outlaw Josie Wales today. Oh. And he was from Missouri. He was dealing with Missouri red legs. Um, and so anyway, yeah, so they just came, came out of the woodworks. Here we go, Missouri. So second biggest is still California. Second is California. Where's Florida? Right Florida's number, uh, number four right now. Missouri is number three. Sweet. I know. I like it. Who's number five? <laughs> uh, new, uh, New Jersey. What? <laughs> well, come hey. on, New Jersey. <laughs> All right. We'll take it. We got we got people on the left coast. We got people out in the Pacific region. We got people down in Florida. We got uh, people up in Jersey. I know for a fact we got people in Michigan. We got uh, folks over. We got Jerome in Rome, Georgia. We got uh, uh, Jeff from Indiana. We got folks down in Mississippi. I love the fact that this show is Alabama based and broadcasting to all kinds of folks. You know what that tells me though? Conservatives are everywhere. If you think for a second that we're outnumbered, you're wrong. Charlene, I haven't said this in a while, but Charlene always says, there's more of us than there are of them. And she's right. So, yeah, uh, just, just, just take heart with the fact that even little old right side radio, we got folks in multiple states chiming in. All right, listen, we're going to go and take a break right now. I'll be right back. Coming in with number one on the Triple Dipper, the failed state of Mexico. This is going to curl your hair. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Uh, Tony from Piedmont just called in and made sure I knew that uh, Granny in the movie uh, 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 Outlaw Josie Wales called them Missouri Ruffians. 
So um, I'm not sure how to take that. Right side ruffians is our our our, our mantra. So <laughs> we don't we don't want to be red legs. Oh, that's that's not where we're going. Anyway, um, yeah. Hey, um, listen, uh, we're gonna we're gonna cover some uh, stuff today related to the war on gas. I see some folks texting me in about the gas stove thing. I'm very aware we're gonna cover that. Don't worry, we're gonna get there. Um, I'm gonna do number one of the triple dipper though is something that is just to me. I the more I got into this, the more I thought, man, like. I knew it was bad in Mexico. Like, I, I'd, I'd already decided that if we, Charlene and I had a vacation that took us across a border somewhere, that it was not going to be to Mexico. I decided that a couple of years ago. But I'm just be honest with you. Um, I had no idea some of what's been happening down there. And maybe you're beginning to see some video. If you watch Fox News, they've been covering the violence between the cartels and the Mexican government, uh, the government of President Obrador, who adopted, by the way, a, a policy – uh, as to the cartels, he calls it hugs, not bullets. What a stupid thing to say. These people don't want hugs. They, so anyway, I'm going to go down the, the, the row on some of this. But I'll start off by telling you, too, um, the whole new sheriff thing in town, that's going to be number two in the Triple Dipper, it kind of bleeds over into this section. Because just yesterday, just yesterday, story on Fox News. Um, Texas Republican Representative Pat Fallon has filed impeachment articles against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, delivering on a promise that he made last week before the 118th Congress was sworn in. Um, it says the articles of impeachment call for high crimes and misdemeanors. And um, literally the first article in there says that Mayorkas has failed to faithfully execute the Secure the Fence Act of 2006. The article says that law requires the Secretary of Homeland Security to maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders of the United States, and he has definitely not done that. So, yeah, Republicans are saying right off the bat uh, they are calling for impeachment. Now, keep in mind, impeachment requires the Senate to be engaged also. They refer the articles of impeachment. It's kind of like the House becomes like a grand jury. The Senate becomes the trial. So in the process of impeachment, you can refer articles of impeachment, but you still have to get it through the Senate for it to be full and, and, and official. But will he want to go through the embarrassment of the uh, hearings? I don't know. Um, I say all that because he's the guy in charge right now of securing our border against what is being called right now potentially a fragile, if not failed state in some places. Now, you can be a failed state. This is, this is a, by the way, this is an international law definition. They actually track what they refer to as fragile states and failed states. There are pretty much no arguments that much of Mexico is what they would call a fragile state. And in some places, Sinaloa being one of them, in some places they could actually refer to it as a partially failed state. So what's going on? You may remember El Chapo. The, uh, the Sinaloa drug lord that we, uh, we, we caught a few years back. Well, his son was captured. So one of the best um, pieces that I found that describes the details of where we've been over the last week and a half came from Canadian television news, CTV. CTV News had a story on January 7th. It says, The capture of the son of one of the world's most notorious drug king kingpins sparked a wave of violence in Mexico's northwest Sinaloa state this week. Members of the Sinaloa cartel engaged in gunfights with the Mexican military after it had captured Elvidio Guzman, one of the sons of the former cartel boss Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, on Thursday. Okay, by the way, that does not do it justice. If you've seen the videos, when they say engaged in gunfights, we're not talking about a drive-by shooting. We're not talking about 
pot shots here and there. We're not even talking about exchanging some small arms fire. We're talking about literally armored vehicles on both sides, helicopter gunships. I'm not kidding you. Automatic weapons, heavy caliber crew served weapons. Y'all, this has been, this has been like Fallujah in some places. It's been amazing to see these videos and know that those are supposedly, you know, part of the Western Hemisphere's third world, uh, second world, first world, you know, environment. So a video Guzman Lopez, the uh, the son of the, the drug lord, is known by his nickname, The Mouse. He's wanted in the United States on a drug-related indictment. He and his brother, Joaquin Guzman, were indicted in April 2018. So Mexico's Defense Secretary, Luis Crescencio uh, Sandoval, uh, described Ovidio as the leader of the Sinaloa faction. So they went in and did this major raid, right? They captured this, this you know, I don't know how old he is, actually. I need to find out. The mouse. Um, and obviously he's not a kid because he's in charge of the cartel. But they tried to capture him uh, in 2019. Ended in a gunfight there. Left eight people dead. They tried to offer a $5 million reward. Didn't get there. But the latest violence began when Mexican security forces captured Ovidio in a pre-dawn raid. And if you've seen some of the video of it, I mean, I did some I did some operations in Baghdad that were smoother and shinier than this was. Cartel members, it says, set up roadblocks trying to stop them from getting him out, including at the airport in uh, Culiacan, outside a local army base and points of entry to Culiacan in response. But Sandoval said the Air Force still managed to fly Ovidio to Mexico City, where he's being held. Alleged cartel members also responded to the capture by carjacking Culiacan rest- residents and setting vehicles on fire. In other words, they turned on the citizenry. Um, Ten military personnel and one police officer and 19 Sinaloa cartel members were killed in the initial gunfight. That was the initial gunfight. We're talking about they had an all-out battle in which uh, 20, 30 people were killed. 30 were killed. Now, I, okay, let me dig down in the stack here. I got, I got a piece on this. Um, and I'm going to come back to that one. Here it is. Fox News. Two days ago, Mexico says 3,586 soldiers were involved in the operation to catch El Chapo's son, Ovidio Guzman. Did you hear what I said? 3,586 soldiers to capture a drug cart. If you have to, folks, let me put that in perspective. That's roughly the same size as a U.S. Army brigade combat team. It took a brigade combat team to go in there and capture this drug lord. That's how well-equipped, that's how many men he has. It took a force of that size? Good gosh. So Mexico has revealed that 3,586 soldiers were used in the operation last week surrounding the capture of Ovidio Guzman, the son of the jailed drug cartel kingpin Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. The detention of Guzman of the Sinaloa State on Thursday resulted in violent clashes with cartel members in its aftermath, and it talks about the 30 dead. Here's this. In the course of that battle, they not only had 30 killed, they also captured arms and ammunition. They, they literally captured, I've got one article here that says how much. This one says they got 26 rifles, 650 caliber machine guns, and 26 armored vehicles in that particular raid. Good gosh. By the way, uh, apparently one of the cottage industries right now is uh, they make homegrown armored vehicles. Um, 
and they cruise the streets in these things. I mean, this is like Mogadishu or something. Um, and it's, 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 by the way, this is not a far-flung place. This is on our southern border, all right? This is a stone's throw from California, Arizona, and Texas. This is, this is, these are the people, by the way, who are running and human trafficking, running drugs and human trafficking across our borders on a daily basis. The Sinaloa cartel is one of the worst. Unbelievable. It's gotten so big. Hang on a second. Let me find the other article. Let me do this one. Why is this considered such a big deal? Why are the cartels fighting? Why are they doing this? I'll tell you why they're doing it. Because they're making massive, massive, massive amounts of money. And they are fighting to keep it. So you might say, well, Phil, we know that. They're getting rich. Uh, let, me, let me tell you how rich, all right? It says, for decades, illegal immigration. This is a story in the Daily Mail, by the way. Daily Mail, this is December 22nd. For decades, illegal immigration amounted to a side hustle for Mexico's ultraviolet cartel mafias. Uh, but no more. It says President Joe Biden's election and America's subsequent mass migration crisis has bestowed such fabulous riches upon the criminal organizations that traditionally drug trafficking is no longer the only prize worth dying for. It's no longer trafficking drugs through tunnels and, you know, across the Rio Grande. Now it's trafficking people. It says reporting indicates, listen to these stats, y'all. Reporting indicates that human smuggling became a multi-billion dollar business in 2021. And 2022 may have even surpassed drug smuggling proceeds altogether. No one knows exactly how much they make, but ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE intelligence has taken a stab at it. One ICE estimate found that prior to 2018, 2018, prior to during the Trump administration, basically, human smuggling generated somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 million a year. That's a lot of money. 500 million. Boomer and I could use that for a lot of things. 500 million a year. In 2021 alone, it is estimated that the revenue for human smuggling has increased to $13 billion. Boomer's, Boomer's having him a moment right now. Yeah. $13 billion. $13 billion from $550 million. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Wow. I mean, I don't know what the percentage increase there is, but that's exponential. That's, yes, it is. That's, uh, that's beyond. Anyway, it says a lower ICE estimate pinned it down to maybe between 2 and $6 billion. Oh, okay. That's all. Um, but it goes on to say in this article in Daily Mail, what happens What happens when those cartels can outgun the Mexican government? Well, what happens? It says the day that happens is the day America will face serious security, public safety, and even wider-ranging economic impacts, and there's plenty of evidence to suggest that day has already arrived. It says the cartel's growing arsenals and Mount Everest-sized piles of bribery cash may inalterably compromise Mexico's central and state governments. Whew. I mean, picture this. What we're looking at here is it may not be the entire country. There may be places where it is still rarely, fairly safe and stable, or at least untouched because it's so rural. But imagine in the United States. Imagine in the United States that a drug cartel was able to control all of Alabama. It had access to a port. It had airports. It had the state of Alabama. It had the Alabama government in its hands, let's say. And they armed themselves so efficiently that it took an entire brigade combat team to go in there and capture the leader. Can you imagine that happening in a portion of the United States like, let's just say, Alabama? That's what we're looking at right now in Mexico. 
a nation with about 1.2 million people. It has its own subsidiary, you know, uh, governmental entities like states. And the Sinaloa, the state of Sinaloa, is, is literally gone into, you know, failed state status. And they're having true wars with the Mexican government right now. Well, I'm going to get into whys, but let me just tell you this. Here's how I'll close out this piece. This is in large part the same article. That's because of President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador's chosen, you know, attempt to try and embrace what's often being called comical uh, policy of hugs, not bullets. How well is that working out for him? It says, but the cartels are reinvesting their massive profits. In March of 2022, inside four houses controlled by the Sinaloa cartel in the northern state of Sonora, the Mexican army recovered 2.8 million rounds of ammunition, 89 hand grenades, 20 machine guns, 650 caliber sniper rifles, and more than 150 handguns and automatic rifles and other bulletproof vests. Whew. In August of 2022, a report showed that the state of uh, Tamaulipas, I think it's called, seized 257 shop-built armored narco tanks, in other words, armored vehicles, monsters made out of semis, SUVs, and pickup trucks encased with thick steel and machine gun ports, and videos showed a well-kitted-out masked uh, group of cartel soldiers filling those vehicles. 257 armored vehicles on our southern border. I got more. We're going to take a break right now. We'll come right back from this break. And, folks, I'm just going to tell you. The Department of Homeland Security, if you think the southern border is an issue because of mass migration, well, certainly it is. If you think it is because of the drug trade, well, certainly it is. But you need to add to that the fact that, it, you know, 100 years ago, we were fighting a war on the Mexican border because of insurgencies across by Pancho Villa. Do we want to see that again with the Sinaloa cartel? No. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, um, I'm looking at uh, the text lines have uh, blown up. I uh, got some new textures in there. Uh, Rick from Hollywood, that's the original Hollywood, he points out, Hollywood, Alabama. Rick from Hollywood, we're glad you're listening, man. Right Side Ruffian, glad to have you. Um, Jason from Huntsville texted in. And with regards to the increase, uh, let me see what I would like to hear. Um, he says, oh, good Lord. So, so yeah, that's a 2,600% increase in the amount of monies being made by the cartels for human trafficking just in the last two or three years. 2,600% 2, increase, says my mathematician, Jason from Huntsville. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Paul from Athens uh, says the, uh, the, 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 the mouse, the, uh, the uh, cartel leader, uh, Ovidio uh, Lopez Guzman, I think his name was, um, that he is uh, 32 years old. Mm, okay. How about that? 32. Living off daddy's coattails. He's the drug lord royalty. Um, uh, Wiley from Gunnersville. Got your feedback. Uh, support law enforcement. Absolutely. I appreciate you. We'll probably cover that topic again sometime soon. Um, John from Huntsville texted in and said, um, 
Phil, it took Katie Britt about just two weeks to visit the border. It took Joe Biden two years. And I totally agree. I looked up yesterday during the show, and there's Katie Britt on uh, national news, Fox, I think it was, down at the southern border with uh, Tennessee's Marsha Blackburn. So uh, glad to see it. So listen, uh, story here on Fox News. We talked about human trafficking. We talked about the drug wars, and I'm going to go back to that in a moment. Uh, Fox News has a piece that came out uh, a couple days ago. Um, says that the fentanyl crisis should be atop Biden's agenda at the summit. If you're not familiar, Biden just uh, went down south. They had what they called the Summit of the Three Amigos. That's the presidents of Canada, Mexico, and the United States all got together, this time in Mexico City. Says um, a total of 379 million, wow, lethal doses of fentanyl have been seized. That's enough to kill every American in the United States. The number is disturbing as it is unsurprising. Over the last decade, fentanyl-related deaths in America have increased by 4,860%. God almighty. Reaching its highest levels ever. Um, 80,000 people died of fentanyl overdoses in 2021. The article points out this is no mere drug epidemic. This is a national security crisis. It's a silent war being waged on America's most vulnerable populations using poison as the weapon of choice. Cartels, in collaboration with China, are purposefully targeting vulnerable Americans, lacing additional drugs of fentanyl um, in order to increase rates of addiction and hiding fentanyl in counterfeit pain, anxiety, and ADHD medications. Wow. says, part of the reason for the explosive growth is the growth of the cartels themselves. These criminal gangs now have at least partial control over 70% of Mexican territory, according to this, um, this article. Did you hear what I said? These cartels that are at war right now with their own armored vehicles, heavy weaponry, grenades, and, and being fought by the Mexican army, not by the police force, but by the Mexican army, have partial control over 70% of, a Mex- of Mexico's territory in this article. This, by the way, came out two days ago. Um, whew, wow. I mean, I, there's more in there, but I'm going to go on to the next article real quick before I run out of time. In fact, you know what? I know I'm not going to finish up. I'm going to finish this up after the top of the hour because this is why this is why I paused yesterday. Bo- Boomer literally looked at me and goes, you can't cover that in the last part of the show. And I just, it was true. I was like, I got so much stuff. But it's also so important, y'all. We cannot for a second take for granted that the Biden administration is going to get this, you know, under control in the next few days. It's going to, it's going to be a major push, major and by the way, I've got an article here that we'll cover when I get back. It's already becoming a campaign issue for the 2024 elections. You think? Well, how about this? What did Trump say about sending U.S. Special Forces to Mexico? Oh, that's interesting. And I'll be honest with you. I got an opinion on this. Is it time for the use of the U.S. military to uh, do something about the cartels? I'll talk about it when we get back. Y'all stay tuned.
You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live for hour number two in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, the international. We cover down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Boomer, I think we need another camel. I think we just have to have it. Go for it. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. <laughs> Guess what day it is. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. <laughs> okay, there we are. If you're here for the first time, hour number two, just know this. You've made it halfway through the week, and we're proud for you. So, um, all right. Hey, I'm, I'm going to wrap this segment up. Um, but, man, I mean, I could go all day on this. Got a lot of text, too. Uh, Brian from Huntsville said, should we annex Mexico? Uh, you know, the Marines have in the halls of Montezuma bit. Sounds a little better and better. Uh, I don't know that we want that liability, but... Um, the very least, we'll talk about maybe what we could do. Uh, Jason from Huntsville says, military in Mexico, why don't we just annex Mexico and stop the illegal immigration? That would definitely stop it because they'd suddenly be ours. Um, but uh, anyway, he says the Mexico National Guard would help solve the cartel issues. Yeah, they're trying. Um, and then uh, Paul from Athens says, did you know that Ovidio Guzman Lopez uh, ordered the death of a popular Mexican singer who had refused to sing at his wedding? I have not heard that, but I don't doubt it, man. I don't doubt it at all. Uh, Tony from Piedmont says Patton wouldn't stand for this crap. And I, <laughs> I, I agree. Here's the thing. What do we do about this? I, I told Charlene last night we were talking about this segment and the fact that I had saved it for today and even found more material this morning to use in it. And um, I told her, I said, you know what? I said, it takes a lot for me to get to this point to say this, but I am, I am right now, I would, I would, with, with careful application, I would not be opposed to the idea of the U.S. Department of Defense doing something about the Sinaloa cartels. Now, what would that be? I mean, first of all, I would say this. We need a strong leader, somebody who actually inspires the nation, us, and puts fear in the hearts of the opponents. That's the cartels and maybe even the Mexican government. We are beyond time for something truly effective to be done. You can't tell me we can't figure out where a drug lab is. You find a drug lab hiding in the jungles or in the outskirts of a, you know, uh, a small rural town or something like that, and just let the Mexican government know you've got 12 hours, after which we're going to put a JDAM missile right in the middle of it. I mean, I'm just telling you, it would change the dynamic. You burn it down or we will. We're, we have fentanyl rushing across our borders. It's flowing through the southern border like water through a pipe. We had almost 100,000 Americans die in the last year from fentanyl overdoses. We have people who are basically, there are ranchers and homesteaders on the, on the southern border, on the U.S. side, who find corpses in their yards and on their ranches. The sheriff in one of those uh, uh, Eagle Pass areas said that he literally finds bodies in the Rio Grande every day. Every day, there are lives being destroyed. Why are we sitting here watching this happen? It is time for some serious chutzpah in the leadership on the U.S. side of the border to say, you know what? We're done with you. You fix it or we will. And I don't mean that we're going to invade 
I don't mean that we're going to occupy. I don't mean that we're going to roll tanks across the border. I'm not saying that at all. But there are, if, if Bill Clinton could put a missile into an aspirin factory, then by God, we could do the same thing with a fentanyl lab on the southern side of our border. Sinaloa cartel, you, you want to you wage some more, we'll show you how. And oh, by the way, we got bigger guns. Um, you can make your homemade armored vehicles if you want to. Uh, we'll take them out. That, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I, I am so tired of seeing this happen. It is not, by the way, a small thing for me to say that. I am not cavalier with the use of military force. I am not an isolationist, but I am not by any stretch somebody who's, you know, uh, so hawkish that I'll look at throwing uh, military forces into something at willy-nilly. Not at all. You know, it, it's, it's just, I'm there. The, the lives being wasted because of the lack of effort by the Biden administration to enforce the laws on our southern border is killing people, U.S. and foreign nations, killing people. And the criminal elements are beyond just criminal elements now. They, are, they should be labeled as terrorist organizations. And when you do that, you change the dynamic. Suddenly their assets get frozen. Suddenly they can't have a, a mobility internationally. Uh, you, you change the dynamic. Um, Trump came out and said something. And by the way, uh, you know, there, there are times when I think Trump just says stuff. Uh, I, I like Trump's policies. There are times when I feel like Trump just says stuff, though, he, he, to grandstanding. But I'm having a hard time disagreeing with some of his points. Now, I don't know if I'd like his, his, his means. But Trump came out, article on January 5th, Fox News. It's not being covered much that I'm hearing. Former President Donald Trump said Thursday, that's last week, that if elected again as commander-in-chief, he will deploy U.S. special forces and other military assets to inflict maximum damage on cartels across the southern border. Trump, who announced his 2024 presidential campaign late last year, they say that because he's speaking as a candidate, said drug cartels are waging war on America and it's now time for America to wage war on cartels. He said, if I'm president, when I'm president is what he said, it will be the policy of the United States to take down the cartels just as we took down ISIS and the ISIS caliphate. And just as, unlike the situation we're in today, we had a very, very strong border. He said his administration oversaw the strongest border in the history of our country. I don't know about that, but there. Anyway, he went on to say he would order the Department of Defense to make the appropriate use of special forces, cyber warfare, and other overt and covert actions to inflict maximum damage on cartel leadership, infrastructure, and operations. And he would designate major cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. There you go. That's the former commander-in-chief making a statement about what he says he would do. Now, I recognize there would be an outcry. How dare you cross the southern border? We, we are an ally. If you're an ally, then fix your crap. Because right now, U.S. citizens are dying. U.S. property is being ravaged. U.S. assets are being drained. Because Mexico won't do its part. And by the way, they were doing their part far more under the Trump administration. What else is, I mean, look at this. Here's a story January 10th, yesterday. CBS uh, News. Five dismembered bodies found in bags near the Mexican resort town of Acapulco. Golly. Prosecutors in southern Mexico said Monday they found the bodies of five men in a village north of the Pacific Coast resort of Acapulco. By the way, they didn't just find dead men. This was a statement. You chop them up and put them in bags and put them out where they can be found. It's a, it's, a, it's a tactic of the cartels. It's a scare tactic. It says, we're here and we'll do this to you. Last month, eight people were killed in Acapulco, including five men who were gunned down in a bar. Last summer, the leader of the Guild of Restaurants, Bars, and Nightclubs in Acapulco, he was shot dead. Last April, 
Three people were killed in a shooting and a subsequent chase at, the, at a beachside restaurant in Acapulco. There, you rarely see, now they say, more than just uh, locals uh, going vacation to Acapulco. It used to be a major destination. And then I've got this from Mexico News Daily. This was not taken out of a U.S., uh, you know, like redstate.com or town hall. No, this is Mexico News Daily. June 23rd of last year, two days after two elderly Jesuit priests were murdered in Chihuahua. By the way, did you hear that? Two elderly Jesuit priests, and by the way, they were executed in their church in Chihuahua. Heads of Jesuit universities slammed the past and present governments for failing to combat violence in Mexico and called on citizens to pressure the authorities to act. Here's a quote from, um, uh, he's a, a university rector named uh, uh, Juan Luis Hernandez Avendano. He says, when the state does not have control of territory and allows private armed groups to control it, we call that a failed state. He's talking about his own country. He says, in many parts of Mexico, authorities left a long time ago. So the people are alone, abandoned, subjected to the law of the strongest, subjected to the law of the jungle, the law of kidnapping, extortion, and murder, because federal and local governments are not interested in protecting us. And when they're murdering priests in their church, it has reached an entirely new level. Well, folks, it takes leadership on both sides of the border. I'll end this piece with this. I mean, I got more. I'm not going to get to all this stuff because there's no way to do it in, in 40 minutes. I, I literally, as I began to do this section, I was going to do a thing just on the border and the, in the, in the, 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 the mass migration across our southern border right now. It totally morphed when I began to realize the depth of the violence, the depth of the uh, failed state that we're looking at in Mexico and how close that is to our southern border. There are places like McAllen, Texas, where you can stand on one side and look at the houses on the other. It's not like this is far away. Governor Abbott, Texas Governor Abbott, um, President Biden came to El Paso. Governor Abbott made sure he was there. And he handed him a personally written letter. And in the letter he said, this chaos, this is, this is Governor Abbott to the, this is, there's a picture, I've seen a picture of Governor Abbott you know, in his wheelchair hand, handing up a letter to President Biden who received the letter. And the letter says, this chaos is the direct result of your failure to enforce the immigration laws that Congress enacted. Your open border port part of policies have emboldened the cartels who grow wealthy by trafficking deadly fentanyl and even human beings. Texans are paying an especially high price for your failure, sometimes with their very lives, as local leaders from your own party will tell you if given the chance. On behalf of all Americans, I implore you, secure our border. That's one of, we only have 50 governors, that's one of them. He's a border governor. But then right across the way, you got to also recognize that leadership has to be on both sides of this border. And right now, the very idea, Forbes has an article that came out in September called Why is Mexico's Security Strategy Failing? It says during the administration of President Andre Manuel Lobardez Obrador, which they call AMLO, AMLO, Mexico has struggled with historically high levels of homicides. AMLO's government has overseen more murders than any other administration in Mexican history. It says, according to data from Mexico's National, Mexico's National Institute of Statistics, the country recorded 42,676 murders during the first year of his predecessor, a time when Mexico was considered to be at war with the drug cartels. But under Lopez Obrador, the current president, 
The government has promoted the the slogan of hugs, not bullets. And they have seen 109,059 murders in the last two years. They've exceeded the records. I'm just telling you, folks, that's on our southern border. Whoo! Boomer, you better take me to a break, man. I got to recover. Have to get me some calories or something. We're going to switch gears. You want to call or text in, you're welcome to. But yeah, uh, I'll take some text messages and calls if you want to. But folks, uh, it's on our southern border and it's got to get fixed. We'll switch to gears. Number two of the Triple Dipper, the new sheriff in town. What are Republicans up to? We'll talk about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, bringing the heat for conservatism. There's a new one. That just came out of my head. I don't know where that came from. Bringing the heat for conservatism. All right. Hey, we kind of wrapped that whole segment up there. Um, but uh, what we got? did. But I mean, even for someone like me, I mean, I, I read a lot on all this stuff going on. I still had not... I mean, no clue about how much was going on down there. Yeah. Well, and that's I, what, what kind of just blew me, blew me away just now. I'm like, wow, I just could not believe, you know, all those statistics. Well, it, it blew me away. I mean, like I said, I started off to make this segment about one thing and it morphed into a kind of an entirely different tangent. It's, right. It's, you know, when, when I tell you where it hit me, man, was um, when I was doing this and I realized that they say that they had to use so many troops that it equates to a brigade combat team. Now, brigade combat team, for those who've been in the Army, you, you know that that's, that's huge. 3,800 soldiers. That's to go capture one dude. What, what does that say about what the one dude had to help fight back with? Right. I mean, I mean that, yeah, that, that blows my mind. I mean, you ever been to Mexico? Uh Yes. Uh, a few what? times mission trips or uh, trip, mission uh, trips and then uh, um, vacation tour yeah. tour life and vacation yes. yeah would you mm-hmm. go back tomorrow not tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> not anytime soon <laughs> no that's that's where I'm at right now I mean and, and by the way Mexico is a beautiful place if you've ever gone down there uh, and had a chance to see some of the uh, like you know uh, Ishkare is a great place off of Cozumel it's you know it's Aztec uh, I think it's Aztec or Inca um, and then you know, things that are just—it's amazing to see these places, uh, to go diving in the in the crystal clear blue waters, you know, on the coast. Um, but but man, not right now. We got a caller on the yeah. line. I'm yeah, so sorry. Yeah, I'm just, I'm sitting here just, yeah, is that line one? Brian from Huntsville. Brian, how you doing, man? Uh, doing okay. Lightning fast. I want to withdraw my idea about annexing Mexico. <laughs> current current strategy is because I think strategy. Get Panama Canal back. You get the Isthmus back. You can control some of this stuff coming through there, but well, yeah. um, we can't even we can't even control Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, or Chicago. We can't get crime down there. There's no way we were matched for a cartel. 
Well, you know, in, uh, it, at least it's uh, it's a bunch of hippies uh, trying to pretend they're tough guys with black masks on in Portland. Down there in, uh, in Mexico, they've got armored vehicles and, and heavy weapons. Indubitably. Indubitably. Thank you. Y'all have a good one. Thank you, brother. Bye. See you. Um, yeah, I mean, and the text line, by the way, blew up. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I couldn't keep up with all everything. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at it, going, "Good Lord, that's uh, okay." What all we got here? Um, the, uh, I mean, uh, and Allie, I don't have time to read the whole text. Allie uh, from Athens just texted in and said, "This is, this is a, from a spiritual warfare standpoint," you know, and she, she went on to talk about the fact that uh, it is necessary for us to have intercessory prayer uh, for the, uh, the people down there. Um, she said Juarez is one of the most demonic places they've ever encountered. Uh, she, she named some of the uh, leaders of the uh, uh, spiritual warfare, um, uh, not spiritual warfare movement, but, the, but, but leaders in the prayer movement. Um, I agree, Allie. It, it's wow. Uh, George from Huntsville. Uh, Biden is willing to wage a proxy war with Russia and spend billions while our southern border is controlled by drug cartels that import drugs, killing more Americans in a year than were killed in all the wars the U.S. was involved in since Vietnam. Indeed. John from Decatur, General Petraeus in the 101st, they took care of Mosul. Yes, they did. By God, screaming Ingalls. Um, Randall from Newmarket, how about 10 AC-130 air sh- uh, gunships? <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. You put one on station 10,000 feet, sighting in with that 105 and a couple of miniguns, and uh, they can do some, they can do some, but bring that rain. Uh, Jeremy from Huntsville, uh, the Democrats will stop migration to the southern border if they see it will no longer serve their agenda. Flood the population with pro-Republican propaganda like commercials and leaflets. <laughs> Go make Republicans in Mexico and then bring them in, is what you're saying. No, he's not saying that at all. Uh, Jeff from Holly Pond. I wonder what Trump would do. Well, I just told you Trump says he would send in the U.S. military. Uh, Doman from uh, Harvest. Uh, that's spelled dope, dope. Doman from uh, Harvest is J-Dams, J-Sows, and Tomahawks. I could see it. I could. Hey, we're going to come right back in a minute. Switch gears. New sheriff in town, but I got to tell you, there's a bit of breaking news. Uh, thank you. And again, now I got to find out who it was that sent it to me. I, I'd lost the text. Um, it may have been Paul from it was. It was Paul from Athens sent me in a link. I had also just seen it up on the screen. Uh, there's a live report going right now on Fox. It says Biden aides have discovered another batch of classified documents in a different location. What? Yep. Uh, story right here that I'm looking at that. Uh, uh, he sent to me, he says uh, on NBC News, Biden aides find a second batch of classified documents at a new location. Go figure. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative, just plain right. I'm talking about this show. It goes way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Hey, those of y'all that are in our listening audience out in California, we appreciate you. Thank you for holding fast on the left coast. You guys are going battered by these storms, I know. Uh, if you've seen any of the video of the mudslides and the, and the epic weather, the flooding going on. Uh, so, yeah, blessings on all of you in California right now. Um, I'm going to move to the next part of the Triple Dipper. Before I do that, though, i got to pause. Pause for a second. Tell you about um, my friends over there at Just Love Coffee Cafe. So Just Love Coffee Cafe, just listen, if you have not tried it, let me suggest something to you. Tomorrow morning you're driving into work, right? And you're, you, you, you're going to get the usual biscuit, or too often like me, I eat a banana in the car. You know what I'm saying? You just, you just might want to do something different. How about this? Give yourself an extra few minutes and stop by Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road out in Madison near City Hall, and the other one's at South Parkway in Huntsville down near New Whole Foods. Stop by Just Love Coffee Cafe. Get a breakfast that'll knock your socks off. I'm talking about the kind that makes you feel like you're somebody. You go in there, you get a you get a, a omelet, which is a giant omelet filled with everything in the world, including tater tots, and they cook it in a waffle iron. Hence the W, womlet. And they've got they got waffles, they got biscuits, they got. It, listen, it goes on and on. And on top of that, get yourself an amazing cup of their award-winning coffee, freshly ground. Listen, just 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 try it. Just love Coffee Cafe. I love both locations, but there's one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And do me a favor, when you check out, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Um, appreciate that. Appreciate them. Thanks uh, to Travis and the folks at Just Love Coffee for sponsoring the show. By the way, if you ain't familiar, I will tell you this. Uh, right Side Radio is a standalone organization. We had somebody stop by the studio up in uh, Athens the other day, the, the, our Huntsville affiliate, WVNN trying to find us. We're not there. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. Uh, this is a syndicated show. We have our own studio. We are a standalone business. And by the way, we sell our own advertising. So if you want to advertise on Right Side Radio, then you got to contact us. Go to the website, send us a message. Uh, you can also, you know, send me a direct uh, message at phil at rightsideradio.org and, uh, and we'll, we'll square you away. Uh, we, we, our sales crew will, will get with you. We were meeting with somebody today, getting them signed up to advertise. So yeah, lots of new advertising coming on board and it's because we sell our own advertising. So if you want to advertise on this show, call us, we'll square you away. Um, okay. I'm switching gears. Top of the hour. You're going to want to stay tuned because here in about 20 ish, 25 minutes, we go to the grand council with Jeff poor and Dale Jackson. But before I do that, New sheriff in town. That's number two of the Triple Dipper. All right, what am I talking about? Pray tell, what could this be? Well, okay, so Republicans now control the House in D.C. <sighs> Pelosi no longer has the gavel. That alone just feels good. But they're already getting busy and doing stuff. And if you didn't see it last night, I don't, I don't often get a chance to watch Hannity late at night, but uh, I say late, he comes on at what, nine, eight, nine? Um, but uh, but last night I got to see a piece of it, and it was really something else to watch Hannity doing a live. And I saw Alabama's uh, Congressman Jerry Carl uh, sitting there behind Hannity. He had a group of uh, congressmen, including the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and, and they were talking about what they've done already in a matter of days and what they're going to do. 
And I know, by the way, I know they have to get it through a divided Senate. I know Mitch McConnell is not on board. Mitch McConnell is a firewall to conservatism. But I do know this. You're guaranteed to basically miss every target you don't fire at. So I say fire away, fellas. Well, 69 conservative leaders around the nation, according to CNS News, CNS News came out with a piece that says 69 conservative leaders have called the new House rules transformational and call it a body blow against the D.C. political cartels. So literally the holdouts that, that kept things going for an entire week, well, they've changed the lay of the land in the House right now. This says the 20 conservative stalwarts who temporarily blocked Kevin McCarthy from becoming speaker have now forced an agreement that, as reported, is truly transformational in how the House of Representatives should be run. It levels a body blow against the D.C. political cartels that collude against the American people. It says the rule changes give conservatives independence from leadership not seen in nearly 60 years. And it provides the tools to combat runaway spending, woke and weaponized government, and efforts to raise the debt limit. Here's the thing. While I know that we can't get House bills through a divided Senate easily, keep in mind the Senate has to have, also have the House. So there's going to be negotiation. And if the Senate wants to spend more, understand this, they're going to have a hard time getting it done in the House. So that's good news. But here's the 69 conservative leaders. I'm not going to read them all to you. I mean, we're talking about uh, the Honorable Russ Vought, uh, president for the Center for Renewing America, the Honorable Kenneth Cribb, chief domestic advisor for President Ronald Reagan, Adam Brandon, president of Freedom Works, uh, the Honorable Jim DeMint, former U.S. senator and chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute, Kenneth Blackwell, chairman Conservative Action Project, Stephen Moore, Committee to Unleash Prosperity, Noah Wall, Freedom Works, uh, David McIntosh, who's been on this show before, Club for Growth, Andy Roth, who's been on this show before, State Freedom Caucus Network, uh, Brent Bozell, David, it goes on and on and on. These are big names on the nationwide side of conservative advocacy. And I'm talking, it was groups like First Liberty Institute, the Tea Party Nation, Eagle Forum, uh, on and on and on. Folks, this was, this is, they're heralding this as a new day in D.C., and I hope so. Here's one of the first things that happened. I love this. Makes me happy. Daily Caller has an article that came out yesterday and confirmed again today on Fox News right now. It's up on the screen. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy confirmed Monday night that Democratic California Representatives Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell will be removed from the House Intel Committee. And the House will also vote on the removal of Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Yes! I just, I mean, that, that to me, hit the, hit the bomb. We need, we need the applause and the bomb. How about that? <laughs> All right. It says, in February, McCarthy told the Daily Caller if he was elected speaker, he intends to strip Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee and swallow his shift from the Intel Committee. And on Monday, he confirmed he is moving forward with that decision, saying both Swabble and Schiff should not have seats on that committee. He says basically they upheld the uh, Steele dossier and the Russia collusion lie for several years and don't deserve to be on that committee. And he also says that Swalwell has been compromised. He says Swalwell can't get a security clearance in the private sector because of his relationship with a Chinese agent. And we're going to give him a government security clearance? And then he goes on to say that Omar's anti-Semitism is one good reason why she should not be on foreign affairs. Yes. I mean, can you, first of all, I look at it and go, what was Nancy Pelosi doing leaving them on their committees? I mean, I get, 
I get that she was with Schiff and, you know, Swalwell's narrative, so maybe they stay. But Omar was deliberately anti-Semitic, and she got to keep her position. Um, all right, but who's going to be in positions of key influence for the Republicans? Washington Examiner has a story that came out yesterday. Republican lawmakers who obstructed House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's path to the gavel have secured broad concessions, and some of them will reap personal rewards for agreeing to support McCarthy's bid or for changing their votes. It said it could create an uneasy dynamic with those who had backed McCarthy from the beginning. Maybe. Uh, but then again, that's their tough luck. It says Representative Byron Donalds landed a coveted spot on the House Steering Committee. By the way, the House Steering Committee is just that. It's the one that decides on uh, committee assignments and other major positions of leadership. So the House Steering Committee, Representative Byron Donalds. And by the way, that guy's a rising star. I am, I am praying that he continues on this upward trek. Um, Donald said his pres presence on the committee is intended to make sure the entire conference, you know, the ideological spectrum, if you will, is represented through all committees. I love this. So the guys who held out for 20 days, the ones that the media were calling, you know, political terrorists and, you know, ideological, you know, recklessness. But guess what? <laughs> New sheriff in town. How you like me now? McCarthy also told the Freedom Caucus they can have three of their own members sit on the House Rules Committee. The House Rules Committee is the one that decides what bills come to the floor. That's one of the most powerful committees. You always hear about House Armed Services, which is big. Uh, House Judiciary, which is big. You know, the budget committees, I get it, appropriations. Um, and we have, you know, Alabama's Mike Rogers. Woo, he got in trouble lately. But Mike Rogers is going to be chairman of House Armed Services. We've got uh, literally... Um, uh, Robert Adderholt, Congressman Adderholt, is a senior member of Appropriations. Um, but what we're looking at now is three members of the Freedom Caucus sitting on rules. That means a lot. It says unconfirmed reports suggest that Matt Gase uh, may also get the chairmanship of a subcommittee of House Armed Services, which probably accounts for his, you know, <laughs> his, his interactions with Mike Rogers. Um, Jim Jordan is going to be the uh, uh, chair of uh, House Judiciary, it looks like. And Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's earned her place back onto congressional committees after Democrats had stripped her of her positions before. All right, so lots of new things happening up in D.C. Good stuff. New sheriff up there. When we get back from this break, we'll switch over to the state. We'll go to the state and talk about the fact that we just got uh, Representative Nathaniel Ledbetter uh, put in as the... Um, Speaker of the House, and what's happening in other places around the nation. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative and 
just plain right. You're going to want to stay tuned because top of the hour, we'll come back from the top of the hour break and have the grand council with my brethren Jeff Poor and Dale Jackson. We we get we get we get some some good mix going sometimes on that stuff. So uh, yeah, uh, it's one of our best segments every single week. So stay tuned, Grand Council at four oh six p.m. Uh, staying with the topic right here, the new sheriffs in town. So in Alabama, keep in mind, I say this all the time, and I mean it when I say it. I spent eight years down there in the state legislature. I really do. I, I have a personal belief that what comes out of our state capital very often impacts us even more than what comes out of D.C. Yeah, you may look at that and go, how can you say that? Well, how much gas tax do you pay at the pump? Uh, are you allowed to text and drive? Uh, can your town have Sunday alcohol sales? I mean, all these things, uh, you know, uh, what's it take to uh, have the prisons funded? How much money for education? All these things come out of Montgomery. So that being said, it matters who's in the position of leadership down there. So uh, the House uh, uh, and Senate convened for their organizational session this week. And the first things first is they have to elect leadership. And uh, no surprises. But it's just been confirmed. A uh, story on AL.com came out last night. It says that uh, uh, Alabama House elects Nathaniel Ledbetter as speaker. If you remember, uh, Nathaniel Ledbetter was here in studio with us, what, Boomer, about a month ago? I guess about, about, yeah. four, about four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Nathaniel Ledbetter, um, who hails from the uh, um, DeKalb? Yeah, DeKalb County area. I believe he hails from DeKalb County. I think he's from uh, the Rainsville area. But anyway... Uh, Nathaniel Ledbetter, Republican from, yeah, from Rainsville, here it says it, is the new speaker. And the Senate also reelected uh, Greg Reed from Jasper. So right now, the leadership in the two main bodies, the two bodies of the legislature in Alabama, are both from North Alabama. Uh, the Republican caucus in the House currently holds 77 of the 105 seats. So that's a significant chunk. They're looking at right now, they, they, it means they hold about 72%, I think, um, of, the, uh, of the House seats. Ledbetter got 102 votes. That means Democrats crossed over to vote for him. I guess they saw the handwriting on the wall. 105 members, he got 102 votes. Uh, no opposition during the roll call voting. Uh, his words, one of the greatest honors that ever afforded me in the time God grants me on this earth, he said. Um, some of the things he wants to key on as Speaker of the House, uh, he was very clear when he's in studio with us, and he said it here in this article. He wants to improve Alabama's adoption process, which I think is a big deal, y'all, because if we say we're pro-life, pro-life can't stop the moment that, you know, the baby leaves the womb. We got to be pro-life. So, yes, prior to birth and after birth, how can we help? And streamlining Alabama's, you know, cumbersome. And I've, I've, by the way, as an attorney, I've done some adoptions. It's cumbersome. Um, Ledbetter also said there's going to be legislation to increase the penalties for fentanyl trafficking. And that needs to happen. And we'll probably be talking about that uh, sometime again real soon. House Minority Leader is uh, Anthony Daniels uh, from Huntsville, a Democrat from Huntsville. He's a good dude. I, I know Anthony Daniels. I think I think well of him. Uh, he asked to comment on Ledbetter's election as Speaker. He said that Ledbetter is a friend, and one thing he can say is he's a man of his word. Um, and he said, in this business, keeping your word means something. Greg Reed uh, reelected to be the pro tem of the Alabama State Senate. Uh, Senator Clay Schofield, uh, my friend from Marshall County, um, uh, elected again to be the majority leader in the Senate. And then Bobby Singleton from Greensboro is the minority leader. So what we're looking at right there is the vast majority of leadership positions are all in North Alabama, which is interesting. Um, So there's that, your leadership in the Montgomery capital, and they'll be going into regular session in the near future. All right, other places where there's new sheriffs in town, new sheriffs. 
in town. I love this. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You may remember she was a uh, press secretary for Donald Trump. She's also uh, Mike Huckabee's uh, daughter, I believe. Says Arkansas Republican Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders will now prohibit the use of the term Latinx in government documents. Yes. Push it back on the wokeness. Who came up with Latinx? Where did that even come from? Boomer, where did that come from? Do you know where that came from? I, I don't know where it came from. I mean, I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> At least in Arkansas. At least in Arkansas. They cannot use that in official documents. No more Latinx. That's just nuts. Um, yeah, in, in fact, uh, she said that she was sworn in as the first female governor of Arkansas on Tuesday, and she justified the ban of the use of the word Latinx in government documents hmm. because she even cited a Pew Research poll that found only 3% of American Latinos and Hispanics even use that term. She said, ethnically insensitive and pejorative language has no place in official government documents. Um, the government has a responsibility to respect its citizens and use ethnically appropriate language um, when referring to minorities. And she said, progressive groups and some politicians have been pushing the term Latinx in recent years as a gender-neutral alternative to the Spanish words of Latina and Latino they're just changing the language again. It's like, good Lord, really? Um, wow. So anyway, yeah, Latinx is out with Republican Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Liking it, liking it a lot. Um, I had a question. By the way, I've got the article here to go with it, but I had a question. Grand Stan from Huntsville texted in. Grand Stan, he says, is it true they're trying to eliminate the IRS? No, sir, not entirely. What they're trying to do... And the Daily Wire is reporting it here. The new Republican House up in D.C. has voted already to repeal the Democrats' army of 87,000 new IRS agents. So, yeah. So here's the thing. This one may not get done, but they had to do it. They had to, because McCarthy said his first bill was going to be to defund the uh, 87,000 new IRS agents that are paid for in the infrastructure bill. Or, no, it was the Inflation Reduction Act. Anyway, that's already in law, so they're going to have a hard time getting that through the Senate. But they had to do it because it showed that they can fix things given the opportunity. So McCarthy says, government should work for you, not against you. As part of the House Republican commitment to America, I promised that we would repeal, vote to repeal the Democrats' army of 87,000 agents on our, new, on our first day in the majority. Promises made and promises kept. Um, wow. That's, uh, that's, that's good. So grandstand from Huntsville, no, they won't do away with the IRS. That won't happen anytime ever. But they are, by the way, trying to whittle it down and make sure that Biden's new army of IRS agents is at least sent the word that uh, we're not going to put up with you. Now, that's symbolic, but I will tell you this. It means something because um, it's symbols to the IRS that you're not going to have carte blanche. You may have 87,000 new IRS agents that you can hire, but we've already tried to vote you down once, and we'll call you in in a heartbeat and make you testify in front of Congress if you get out of hand. There you go. All right, folks, coming right back after the break. The Grand Council, Jeff Poor, Dale Jackson, and little old me. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it's Wednesday, Wednesday at 4 p.m., and uh, that means it's a uh, time that uh, I enjoy every single week with two guys who've been doing radio longer than me. Uh, I'll call the roll real quick uh, from uh, WVNN in Huntsville, 770 AM, 92.5 FM. Also writing for Yellowhammer News, do I have a Dale Jackson present? Somewhere with an unmuted microphone. Is he there? Oh, sorry. I was cooking with gas. I didn't know what was going on. I I apologize. (laughs) Turn off that stove. It's a health hazard. You know better than that. Um, all right. Well, then uh, flipping over to the other side right here, Jeff Poor from FM Talk 1065 with the Jeff Poor Show and also the executive editor for 1819 News. Is you or is you not here, Jeff Poor? I am present. You are present. You're not cooking with gas. There you go. All right. No, Glad of it. I pronounce a quorum. Hit it, Boomer. Assemble the Grand Council. Ta-da. Da-da-da. All right. All right, fellas, here's the deal. You know the rules. We ask each other questions. We don't know the questions in advance. We just see how we come back with answers. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't. Still love each other when it's done. Dale Jackson, you were first. What you got? All right, now we found a second batch of classified documents. Is, is this where they get them? You stole my question. Start asking that. You stole my question. Get who? Get Trump or get uh, get Biden? Yeah, either one. They can share a jail cell for all I care. But yeah, let's let's talk about Biden. Is this I tell where they you, get him? This is, so here's the thing. This to me is a backstory issue more than a front story issue. I think I think what we're looking at here is we got one of two things. Either A, they're trying to get rid of Biden because they don't want him to run again, but they can't just say, please don't run. They have to give like reasons why he should not run. And like they don't have enough. And then but the other side of it is they've they've gotten themselves in a pickle with Trump. What do we do? How do we how do we not make this the huge campaign issue? Well, we got to have a way to say, yeah, you know, presidents have the right. And look, here's proof on both sides of the aisle. Um, I don't I don't I don't. Well, Jeff, what do you think? It, it's a it's a political disaster, but yes, a, a rhetorical disaster, the, the whatever talking point disaster. Nothing's ever going to come of either one of these. I, I well, I mean, other than Trump's house getting raided and a breach of protocol, I, I think. There may even be repercussions for that in the long run, the way they handled that. But I, I, we're not going to see these guys sit in a jail cell. No, no, no time soon. Um, unless they find that special bank account with money for the big guy. But uh, your own question, Dale, what are you thinking? Well, I never thought they would actually go to jail or anything like that. But it, there is uh, these other issues that are out there where Donald Trump is continuing to have these issues hanging over his head. And you kind of wonder how they continue making that argument when Joe Biden's got those same ones happening, and now they're finding more. And I can't wait to hear how Joe Biden doesn't know anything about these either. <laughs> he, he does. Well, he doesn't know what he had for breakfast. So, I mean, there's that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I look at it and think also, too, what better way to make sure that you get the candidate you want to run against being Donald Trump than to find a way to let him off the hook, and this is the best way to let him off the hook. I don't know. Man, that is quite the conspiracy. I love it. 
I it. just, you know, I'm all about it, man. All right, uh, Jeff Rowe, you got the next question. What you got? Uh, organizational session in Montgomery yesterday, ended today. Uh, very anticlimactic, and, and that's typically how these things go. Uh, uh, the Senate was supposed to be anticlimactic, but we were told the House, hey, look out. They, they, you have some House conservatives absolutely not thrilled about the way the new rules are constructed. Look out. And then we get to um, we get to go time, and it, it, it's kind of just the same old, same old. It's Wanda Legavan. It's, it's uh, John Rogers. It is uh, the usual cast of characters. The Democrats go down to the well, and they, 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 they ask their questions. And then Laura Hall, they, they, then it's over. So, like, I, I'm optimistic. I think the rules maybe will slow some of the silliness down in the House of Representatives, uh, Senator. But what do you think? Do you think, based on anything we've seen the last couple of days, that it's going to be business uh, any different business in, in the Alabama legislature than we've seen? Well, you know, it's kind of like Kevin McCarthy right now. I mean, Nathaniel Ledbetter, uh, I, I know him personally. Uh, I, I like the guy, and I'm hopeful that his his statements are going to wind up matching the overall tone of his leadership. The um, the, uh, the the thing that he said in the news, and by the way, if you know something about how the rules came out, uh, my understanding is there's not a lot of difference in what we got that leaked copy in advance. I know y'all got, ran a story on 1819 about it than what they actually voted on on the floor. But he says they hashed it out in caucus as to what the conservatives' concerns were. Do you know? Did they change something as to what was printed compared to what was voted on? I, it was, it was uh, the, the, I, I think, has to do with the way amendments are debated. And, and then the, yeah. the big one, the big difference was local bills. Local bills. And so, so you have to have initially the first set of rules said, you know, it's always been one objection. And then it, they wanted 11. But then they threw in this caveat. They said, well, either 2 or 20% of your county's caucus ah. can uh, can slow it down. And that was, the, as far as I could tell, the biggest change. But like, like it's weird that amendments are going to be handled in committee. They won't have debate for amendments on the floor or something, which, which was really, really tied up a lot of the time there. But, um, uh, it, you know, not, not not having the opportunity if you're not on that committee to d- talk about an amendment just seems yeah. weird to me. It does seem weird to me, too. And here's my other concern. This is this other rule about uh, allowing only four hours notice for a public hearing on a bill. There's no way you can be uh, an advocate for or against a bill and hear there's going to be a public hearing and make it to Montgomery in time to testify against it or to ask for the public hearing to you know be expanded. And, uh, and so one of my concerns is this is a great sneaky way for a gambling bill to suddenly reemerge, get thrown through committee, and out on the floor before you know what's happening. Um, so there's that. Dale, what are you thinking? Well, I, I think what I saw mostly is the change on the local uh, bills, how they do that sort of thing, and, and what Jeff was just talking about with the amendments, an, an attempt to not allow the opposition to tie things up a, as much as they have in the past question is what do you do with that with that power if, if you do have that ability if you do if you if that's in fact what they're trying to do do they plan on passing some more uh, controversial i.e conservative things um, I, i'm talking about school choice and, and things like that uh, on the floor or or is this just being done just to do something different i mean i guess we'll have to wait and see but no there's nothing in anything that was said yesterday or that i read that made me go oh man I can't wait for this yeah. legislative session. Yeah, and, I, and I've been down there, by the way. I remember walking down floor, to the, the floor of the House one day to, to converse with somebody in my delegation, and Wanda Lingavan from Birmingham 
who is a, a just basically she's a piece of work sometimes. She was literally, she literally stood in the well and she screamed, I'm going to burn this place down. And she just, you know, just had, a, had herself a moment. And I thought, you know, okay, I don't mind seeing her shut up. But the problem is these rules can also stymie uh, conservatives if they want to try and block a bad bill. Um, oh, you should anyway. have seen her, you should have seen her yesterday. Uh, she had uh, gray hair coloring. And she was dressed like e- either a nun or maybe it was a, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg tribute gone wrong. It, it, it's just so bizarre. I, I, well, her, her fashion sense has been known to be somewhat unique, but um, but there's that. Uh, all right, last question for this round, me. Um, all right, so the Alabama Republican Party, the Alabama GOP has voted a vote of no confidence on the National Party Chair, Ronald McDaniel. Um, your thoughts on this, and by the way, I'm not aware of any other state that has done this, so what are your predictions? Will it impact things? Will other states follow suit? What are you thinking, Dale Jackson? I don't think it will matter all too much. They'll note, uh, at least the, the voters who are from Alabama on that stuff, I mean, it's all very uh, insular, right? And are they blocked off from what the committee there does, the steering committee and all these other things? I, I don't know, but I, I think that that decision is being made at a higher level uh, than the people that get together and, and meet uh, on the Alabama Republican Steering Committee. All right, Jeff Rowe, what do you think, man? So I, I hear she's already, uh, Ronna McDaniel already has the votes for re-election. Um, but, uh, you know, an, an Alabama's committee woman, uh, she was going to go with Ronna McDaniel. I don't know, that does this, this if you see more states dissuade uh, their members, it may be, but I, it, right now, no, it, it just seems like it's a symbolic gesture. Well, and I think you're right. Uh, Ronna McDaniel did come out. Oh, gosh, how long ago back was that? I've got an article here somewhere. She, she has to have 106. There's 168 voting members. She claims she already had 101 of them locked up, uh, claiming they're going to support her. Now, support can change overnight, but um, uh, we'll see. I, I, I personally like uh, Harmeet Dillon. Uh, I like, I like the, 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 you know, the, the forcefulness with which she projects conservative values, and, uh, but and, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I've been saying on the show here that the Republicans have had a mech problem for the last ever so long because we've had McDaniel, McConnell, and the McCarthy issue. And McCarthy's resolved, but McConnell and McDaniel, to me, are still problems. Um, yeah, she Harmie should go Dillon. by her real last name, Romney. That, <laughs> that'll know. solve it. Uh, uh, Harmony Dillon, I, I just like, what experience does she have? Where did she come from? Isn't it weird to y'all? Well, she's been the chair Twitter. of the she Republican National Lawyers Association for, for a while. So I think she's yeah, but raising money and politics. And, and I mean, you know, there's a lot that goes into this. It, it's it's seedy and all that. I get it. But it, I, I, I don't know. She just seems more like an ideological figure than uh, somebody who is a, you know, nuts and bolts person. Maybe so. Maybe so. Round one, fellas. She's a Twitter star. She's a tw- <laughs> she is indeed a tw- She's a social media influencer. All right, uh, we're going to take a break right now. Round one of the Grand Council. We're with uh, Jeff Poor, executive editor, 1819 News, and host of the Jeff Poor Show, and Dale Jackson, working with Yellowhammer News as well as being the talk show host, program director at WVNN up in Huntsville. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid, conservative, just plain right. Headed to round two of the Grand Council with my brethren Jeff Poor and Dale Jackson. Uh, going back to the same order we had before. So, Dale Jackson, you're up. Did anybody have a better week than Alabama Republican United States representatives, the SmackDown from Sacktown, Mike Rogers. Uh, I knew in we last going. week, where we were told he was going to lose his position on the steering committee, he did not. He was not going to take over the Armed Services Committee. He did. I mean, that guy was Teflon. It looked like he was going to go down and uh, for getting into it with Matt Gates, and he's just strolling right through. Good for him, right? Well, now wait a minute. I I I I heard that he was resigning personally from the steering committee. Is he not? Yeah, and then he came back no. like three hours later, like just kidding. Really? <laughs> I mean, he didn't really? say just kidding, but he, he did say I'm not doing it. Oh well, I do not feel well read because I didn't I didn't catch that one. Yeah, you know, I look at that and think, okay, dude. You know better, but it also it, it it was part of it was the guy who grabbed him from behind made it look a lot worse than it was. But even mm-hmm. still, Matt Gates was a putz and he needed to be yelled at. But then at the same time, uh, that that was that was Rogers went went a step too far with his angst on the floor and it uh, and it just it's backfiring. But apparently, like you said, he's Teflon. I thought he had lost his position on steering, but I, I I'm I stand corrected, uh, Jeffro. Well, let me ask you a question this way: Is if Matt Gates is stock, a stock two weeks ago, is he higher or lower? And I think Gates benefited from it. I, I don't think Mike Rogers necessarily benefited. I, I think it hurt Rogers. He's got to have some lean nut opponent in the primary if he runs again. And uh, it's just uh, you know. It, it, it would have been better if it never happened, but I think it's a bonus for Gates. The thing to watch, too, for Rogers in terms of having competition. Now, he's going to be chair of House Armed Services, which is going to be a powerful position. He'll have all the backing in the world and a war chest, but he's he's going to have potentially a redrawn district because, you know, the Supreme Court is still going to hear the merits of our congressional district uh, case, and we may find out the next time he runs, he gets drawn into a position where he's not as strong in terms of his constituency. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. But, yeah, I think it hurt him in the eyes of the people. But apparently he's just maintained status quo in terms of his positions in uh, D.C. Your own question, Dale. What are you thinking? Guys, he will destroy anyone that dare pop their head up uh, to run against him. Oh, yeah. In his home district. I, I mean, there's no, especially in a Republican primary or not. So that, that's number one. Uh, the reason I brought it up is, is just that, you know, for the way it went down, there was all this talk and, you know, social media chatter and all this other stuff. But in the real world, it just I don't think it seems to matter all that much. I think it mattered well, in the eyes of the people. Go ahead, Jeff. Let me say one thing. Uh, give props to Dale Jackson for getting uh, the name of a city right south of the Tennessee River uh, for once. Uh, it, Dale's geographical. I mean, it's not Montgomery or Birmingham. Uh, so uh, that is uh, a marked improvement. Mm. Wow. I'm just going to I'm going to go ahead and it's move on to the Jeff. next question, Jeff. Jeff, are you going to start using the SmackDown from Saxtown? Is that, is that, is that going to be something that's going to work its way into your repertoire? Probably, probably not. But uh, look, at least you got it right. Uh, you, you know, we are... Dale and I were talking about this on my show, or, or whatever we were. Uh, he said Mike Rogers was from Southeast Alabama or something. I had to correct him on air. I did get that wrong. Southeast is, of me. Is there a question here, Jeff? What's your question? <laughs> hey, well, I, I, was, I was adding to that. Hey, uh, all these bills the house is passing. I, I don't think mean much, but man, my inbox is getting flooded with press releases. What I I think is the victory here for Republicans will be when some of these investigations get going. Yeah. 
And that's what we want to see, right? Is, isn't that the, uh, the creme de la creme of a Republican majority? I think there will be some symbolic votes on the floor that put people's names uh, on, a, on a vote they didn't want to have to be on. I think that's going to be important for campaign seasons and for holding people accountable. I think there will also be some symbolic things like defunding IRS agents, which are already embedded in the law. But then in the future, what they're looking at is they're sending a signal. Hey, Senate, don't send us that crap because it won't happen this time. Um, and, you know, if we get a chance, we can peel away a few senators. We may wind up actually changing that 87,000 deal. So I think things like that are going to be important. But, yes, completely agree with you. The big deal is the ability to investigate and have subpoena power to do so. Uh, Dale? Yeah, I'm more interested in their investigations and what they uncover. And it better be good. And it better be airtight. Uh, but I'm less interested in uh, defunding the IRS and all these other things. I have no chance of getting uh, through the Senate, but I, that's what they do. When you when you control the body, you pass things that, that are messaging bills. Yeah, and you put your opponents on the record. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to do it. And, and by the way, that's that's their job. Their job is not to wait to see what the Senate will do. Their job is to pass yep. legislation and see what happens then. Uh, all right, last question. Barely any time to deal with it. I did a whole segment a little while ago on the absolute war going on between the cartels and the Mexican government down south of our border. Trump has already said that he would use the Department of Defense to help assist with this situation. Do you see ever military force? I'm talking about like not troops, but like a JDAM missile or a Tomahawk. Do you ever see something like that from the U.S. if this keeps on going the way it's going? Jeffro? Not under Biden. Absolutely not. not. Under I, mean, Biden, I, I don't even know under Trump. I, what, what would the – because the Pentagon's so left-wing, it, it is invested in, in defense contractors and wokeism right now. I don't know. I, I, it just doesn't seem like a policy move from the Biden administration to me. Uh, Dale? If Mexico wanted it, they would do it. But until Mexico says, shoot some missiles into our territory, please, uh, I don't see that happening. I, I see a campaign issue coming up in the 2024s. And if fentanyl is keeping uh, the, the death toll at 100,000 Americans, then I, I'm not going to be a bit surprised to see an incoming Republican president put a Tomahawk missile into a drug lab on the far side of the border. But... Um, uh, we shall see. Fellers, as always, I appreciate you. Jeff Poor, FM Talk 106.5 down in Mobile, the Jeff Poor Show and executive editor for 1819 News. And Dale Jackson, WVNN, that's 770 AM, 92.5 FM out of Huntsville and writing for Yellowhammer. We appreciate you guys very much. Y'all have a great day. All right. And then the music starts. How's that for timing? How you like me now? Boom shakalaka. All right, we'll go to a break. We'll come right back. Part three of the Triple Dipper, the war on natural gas. You can have Charlene's gas oven when you pry it from her husband's cold, dead fingers. We'll be right back.
And we're back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid, conservative, just plain right. I'm talking about we are down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. And, uh, hey, listen, before I go any further, i got to tell you, folks, uh, my friends at ZLA Solutions, and, and they are indeed my friends. I'll probably be seeing them again tomorrow morning. But ZLA Solutions is doing an epic good job at lining up work and people who need work. So if you're looking for a job yourself, go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. Check them out. they got jobs posted all over North Alabama, big-name employers, good wages. But if you're an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, they can help you there too. Onesies and twosies, special skills, entire shift of people. They can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing if necessary, blue collar, white collar, no collar, it don't matter. ZLA Solutions, their, their, their gig, man, is they like to say, at ZLA, we don't make it, we make it better. That's their goal in life is to help you make your business better. So, yeah, check them out, ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. And do me a favor, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Um, all right, number three of the Triple Dipper, the war on natural gas. Have you heard what's going on? So first of all, let me just say this. There is indeed a war on natural gas. It's not just, it's not just this one thing, isolated incident about the gas stoves that I'll get to in a minute. This is, a, this is an ideological movement right now. Because I'm looking at an article right here from Politico. Last December, referring to gas-heated buildings as those that help create planet-warming pollution. Are you hearing me? It says Russia's invasion of Ukraine has sent Europe knocking on the United States door looking for natural gas. Meanwhile, some communities in the United States are trying to ban it. Did you know that? So this is not just that one thing with the uh, U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission saying we may ban gas stoves, which I'll get to. You've got, you got literal, like liberal Green New Deal enthusiasts who are in elected positions around the nation deciding to go ahead and shut off the gas. Says Montgomery County, Maryland, made a move this past fall to become the first county on the East Coast to ban natural gas as a heat source in new buildings. No more gas heat. None. Got to use electric. Okay. Guess what? That electric may come from a gas plant. What do you think? <laughs> the plan expected to go into effect by the end of 2026 will require most new buildings in the county to use electricity or other non-combustion technologies for space and water heat, as well as for cooking. It says about 40% of the country's planet-warming pollution comes from buildings, making the sector a prime target for emission cuts. Two states, Washington and California, the whole states, Washington and California, have approved statewide restrictions on fossil fuel heat. Well, I got news. They might not need it as much in California, but Washington State, you're going to get cold in the wintertime, let me just tell you. Uh, nationally, it says natural gas and electricity are neck and neck as sources of heat in buildings. And President Joe Biden is after it. Well, okay. I do appreciate the fact, though, that one of our state representatives, Gary Palmer, Gary Palmer, who, by the way, uh, before he was in Congress, uh, as of a few years ago, uh, he helped found the Alabama Policy Institute, where I spent a number of years on staff. Um, and uh, that's where this radio show burst out of. But Alabama's Gary Palmer is a leader in Congress now. Uh, I believe he's uh, just gotten reelected to be uh, the uh, head of the um, Republican Policy Committee. Anyway, 
Palmer, it says in this article from Fox News dated uh, today, Representative Gary Palmer of Alabama doubled down on his criticism of the Biden administration after the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission said it was considering a potential ban on gas stoves. What? Yes. The idea was sent back to the drawing board following swift criticism from lawmakers and consumers. So this is what our own Gary Palmer said. Says, as I said yesterday, unelected bureaucrats should not have the type of power to even consider such action. It's time to rein in the Biden administration in their continual desire to control Americans' lives and decisions. So here's what happened. This guy, Rich Trumpka, he's the commissioner of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. He clarified that there is indeed a movement right now to potentially ban all gas stoves. He said to be, and he, did, he tried to backtrack it. He said, to be clear, we're not coming for your gas stove. Regulations apply to new products. Okay. So if you have to replace it, then what happens? Let's say your current gas stove goes out. Are you not allowed to replace it? Or what about the fact that you, you may have been told that cooking on gas, I mean, how many times have you heard the phrase, cooking, man, we're cooking with gas. It's because it works. I mean, I'll tell you right now, when Charlene and I moved into our, our house, we finally built our house uh, a few years ago after living in the same house for 24 years prior to that. I, we, we got the first gas stove we'd ever had. And I'm going to tell you right now, water boils quick by comparison to where we were with the electric grid we had before. And they're talking about changing all that. Well, Palmer, Gary, Gary Palmer again, responded that despite the fact that Trumpka says that these hidden hazards that are caused by gas stoves have left a ban on the table, Palmer says a ban like that would impact tens of millions of Americans. He says 40 million American households use gas stoves. This type of power should never have been given to unelected bureaucrats. Totally agree. Totally. But it continues. Washington Examiner. New York Governor Kathy Hochul, as of yesterday. Kathy Hochul announced a proposal Tuesday of this week that would make New York State the first state to ban natural gas heaters and appliances in all new buildings. A new front in the battle over the use of fossil fuels. Hochul used her annual State of the State address to call for a ban on fossil fuels in new buildings beginning in 2025. Oh, this is just, this is just jackassery right here. Um, you can add that to my earlier lexicon of, you know, yeah, hacks, quacks, and jack wagons, then there's jackassery. And this is it. From 2030 on, the plan calls for a complete ban on the sale of any new natural gas heating systems. She says buildings are the largest source of emissions in our state, accounting for a third of our greenhouse gas output. Okay. I will tell you this, though. Oh, I see I got a caller on the line, so give me one second. I'll come right to it. But I'll tell you this. Um, despite all of that, AL.com here in Alabama reports that TVA is going to build a new natural gas plant. <laughs> but, but you know what's killer to me? Is if there was a time when they would have announced this and said, TVA announces plans for construction, that's what the headline would have been. No, now with the headline for AL.com yesterday, TVA to build natural gas plant despite concerns from the EPA. Good God. Says the Tennessee Valley Authority President and CEO Jeff Lyash on Tuesday signed a decision to move forward with a new 1,450-megawatt natural gas plant at the site of the Cumberland Fossil Plant in Cumberland City, Tennessee. Uh, see, part of Cumberland is, is, is being retired. TVA plans to retire the first of two coal-burning plants there and switching to natural gas. 
TVA provides power to 10 million people across seven states. And literally it said that when they compared things to the renewables they were being asked to look at, not the least of which was a solar array, they're being asked to look at a solar array with batteries. It would have cost $1.8 billion more and could not be completed by the deadline. So they said they're moving forward with natural gas. How you like me now? And that's, that's what the whole article is about. Not that we're going to have generated power. Not that we're going to have a consistent grid. No. It points out in the article from AL.com, Biden has set a goal of a carbon pollution-free energy sector by 2035. Not going to happen. The TVA says it cannot achieve without technological breakthroughs. TVA has set a goal to reduce their greenhouse emissions, but they're not going to get to Biden's goals. And oh, by the way, in spite of everything, they're going to go ahead and build a new gas plant. The war on gas is real, y'all. It's not just this gas stove thing. The war on gas is literally houses, buildings, state governments, federal government, bureaucrats. It's all over. Um, So, yeah. I got a couple minutes here. I'll go ahead and take some calls. Uh, Boomer, you good, man? Give me a thumbs up. All right, I'll tell you what, line one. Uh, is that Jeff? Yeah, Jeff from Indiana. How you doing, Jeff Rowe? Doing good, Phil. Good, man. What's hey, on your mind? Uh, I've got another way we can drain the greeny weenies from the green. Uh, <laughs> we, just, uh, we just need some magnifying glasses, and we'll put on their home cooking set and sell it to them. They can just, whenever it's a sunny day outside, they can have hot food. <laughs> <laughs> magnifying glasses and call it a home cooking set that works well, uh, yeah i mean uh, you just got to rename everything you know everybody's renaming everything else so it's just now a home cooking set we uh, can, and if they want to fry some bugs you know if they don't want to eat uh, if they're vegans or something then well, they can maybe some pop some popcorn out on the sidewalk nice <laughs> nice but you know what though the reality is they they don't want to lose it either there was a photo the other day of jill biden cooking on her gas stove and it's like oh no. I mean, Oh yeah! I can't imagine that happening. Oh, it was it was one of those things where they're like, Maybe. oh, oh, you know. But um, it, uh, it just... I think she could probably cook off the hot air coming off of Joe Biden. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Jeff's in rare form today, boom. Uh, but well. Uh, we'll see, man. But you know what? I I I think in the end, uh, hopefully, I say hopefully, uh, we're going to get this thing turned back around. I'm for an all of the above policy. I don't care if we have a mixed bag, yeah. but but don't try to cut out an entire natural gas or coal uh, uh, operation. Well, just just keep in the back of your mind that you can't fix stupid. You just gotta numb it with a two before sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Hey, be careful out there. We appreciate you, Jeff. You take care. Have a good one, Phil. All right. Did we have a call on line too, bud? Oh, we already lost it? Okay. All right. Well, tell you what, Boomer, go ahead and take us to the break, man. We'll do that about a minute early. We'll come back and we'll talk about this war on natural gas because it's legit, man. They're after your gas stove. They're after your gas heat. They're after your gas grill. Gives me gas. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. 
Hey, listen, before I go any further, I got a couple of callers holding on the line, which I'll get to very quickly. But uh, I got to tell you first, Riley and Jackson Law Firms, I was talking to one of their guys uh, yesterday, and he told me that they're literally seeing right side listeners calling in. And I, I'm so glad to hear it. So here's a couple of things they're working on you might want to know about. First of all, I will say this, too. I know these folks personally. They're, they're good folks. They are good lawyers. They're also good on politics, if you know what I mean. But they are literally, they've got decades of experience helping people who have been harmed by the negligence of others to be made whole. And, and one of the things they're doing right now is that Camp Lejeune water contamination case. So if you or a loved one uh, were ever at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1987, you may be eligible for a claim because there's like 19 different major illnesses uh, that have been attributed to that confirmed water contamination. The other one they've got going is if you were a firefighter or in the military using firefighting foam. There's a carcinogenic version of firefighting foam that has been confirmed, and you may indeed be eligible for a claim if you've been exposed to it. So, yeah, you can call them. They won't charge you for the phone call. These, these folks will talk to you. They'll talk you through it, and they won't ever get paid unless they get a win for you. So here's their phone number. I'm going to give it to you. Ready? Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. And, and by the way, tell, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. I would appreciate it. And here's that thing. <gasps> no representation made of the quality of legal service before with greater quality of legal service before the lawyers. Bam. 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 Uh, I got some callers holding on. Line two, Alan from Hartzell. Alan, how you doing today? I'm doing just fine, Phil. Good, man. What's hey, on your mind? EPA got... Uh, kept changing the game plan and the rules. Gorgas steam plant had been in operation with 10 border units out of coal fire for 40 or 50 years. They spent millions of dollars upgrading it. Just as soon as those upgrades were created, guess what? They'd come back with another set. Yeah. A friend of mine was, was with safety. He said it was going to cost them over a billion dollars the last time they just, uh, southern countries just throwed up their hands and said, the heck with it. So they built them a solar panel, panel plant down in Wilsonville. Guess what? It ain't producing Simply amazing. It just I have, I so every have no time doubt. You get, every time you get you get up to their standards of what they want, they'll change the game plan. Yeah, yeah. So there's over three thousand people either had lost their job or had to transfer from Gorgas. And that plant, I I delivered in there and picked up in there for years. Don't have to guess. I know it to be true. I lost a, a lot of my good friends that worked there. No more. Wow. Wow. I get very aggravated at them. Uh, and, so and, just, and, and rightfully so. And the grid is not more stable because of it. I mean, is it? I mean, it's, it's just. Um, oh, it's, it's like today, you're not going to generate any electricity on a day like today. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Oh, we're going to put it in, in batteries. Batteries will only hold so much. And guess where the batteries come from? They come from China. Absolutely. That yeah, and those rare earth metals—they're—they're they're not all here. They're not being mined here. They're being mined overseas. Um, and and you're right. Uh, gas, coal, and nuclear—you can go rain or shine. That's the way it works. But I guess good old Democrats don't see it that way. You cut their power off, and they might start seeing things yeah. a little different. Can we do a rolling blackout of just a known Democrat houses? That would be a thing. Now let's just shut it off for about a week. Like when the snow comes, snow comes here. Uh, my late wife and I, we had we cook, I cooked on a, a my smoker grill out back for nearly a week because we didn't have power. Yeah, yeah, I believe. So it. you know, 
anyway, have a great day. You too, Alan. I just, appreciate just you, man. I'd throw it in there. No, that's that's good firsthand stories. Appreciate it, man. Hey, uh, line three, uh, Chris from Lauderdale County. Chris, how you doing today? I'm well. Thank you very much. Thanks Absolutely. For the show. Thank you, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, you're talking about this uh, cutting off this gas in Washington State. Yeah. And, uh, they're they're looking at cutting off propane now too. Oh, Hard God. to get a tank out there. But uh, you know, even with the hydro they've got up there, I've got family there. My mom's got a 2,200 square foot house. And electric heat will run her six ninety seven hundred dollars a month in the winter. Wow! I mean, elderly people, if they're on a thousand or even twelve hundred dollars on Social Security, and they got that kind of electric bill, people are going to start cutting trees down if they can't get gas. Oh yeah, uh, they're doing it in Europe right now. There was a, there was there was talk about how they're they're firing back up the coal plants and that people are cutting down trees in their backyard to burn for firewood in uh, in Europe right yeah. now. Well, and then the thing in Washington, they get the inver- these inversions up there in the valleys, and they don't want you burning anything because of the air quality. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway. All right, Chris, appreciate Thanks you, man. Me. Thanks so much. Thanks you know, for your service. Thank you, yeah. sir. Um, yeah, man, golly, Bob. That's, that's two firsthand stories, one out in Washington State and one right here with the Gorgas plant being shut down. And, you know, and he's right. The EPA just moves the goalposts. The next thing you know, you think you've got it going on, but you don't. But then you look at some of the things, too, like, you know, it doesn't matter that, that, that natural gas is clean burning. It doesn't matter that it's domestically plentiful. It doesn't matter that it's affordable. It's still going to be demonized by the Biden administration. And then you got places like California. Right now, a story that came out of Wall Street Journal uh, today, actually. It says natural gas prices have fallen, except in California. In California, natural gas costs five times more than anywhere else in the nation. Five times. Five times. You know why? Because they regulate it and they try to make it so burdensome by putting extra fees on it that it becomes a thing that is, is, is considered to be like, you know, uh, out of reach almost in terms of its cost. Literally five times more expensive than the national average. That's just madness. And that's what happens when you let ideologues um, try to change things to fit their narrative when it may not make sense. That's why I go back to my opening monologue for today. If you didn't hear it, I encourage you to get on the podcast. Hacks, quacks, and jackwagons. If you got a question about which one's which, I describe them in great detail in my monologue. But what we're looking at here is there are too many people that are just hacks going along to get along and, 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 and just because, you know, somebody told them to, they're going to be a bureaucrat and do it. And then jackwagons are the ones who just, they, they follow the crowd, whatever the latest fad is. Green New Deal, we like that because it's influential. And those are the jack wagons. And then the quacks, those are the ones that claim to have the science. But they don't. Like, you can't tell me for a second that what we just heard a moment ago is, I mean, it's absolutely true. On a, on a day like today, the solar arrays are not going to collect as much power. And if you have a week like that, or if you have something go wrong with the solar array, then what do you do? You hope the batteries can store what you need for a period of time. Meanwhile, gas, coal, and nuclear can burn 24-7, rain or shine. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. What a great day. You guys have an amazing night. Boomer and I back here tomorrow, too. We'll see you then.